Okay, Nigel. So I've got a a little thought experiment for you um, for our episode today. So That involves thinking? It does a little bit of thinking, but we just drank coffee, so we should be okay. (laughs) So what do a metal bowl, a broken arrowhead, and a pair of shoes from Payless have in common? I'll take the physical challenge. (laughs) Say that again. What do a metal bowl, a broken arrowhead, and a pair of shoes from Payless have in common? Challenging questions. Uh, Let's figure out what all those things have in common, what those stories are. So stick around, listeners, and we will investigate that. Yeah, come along on the journey with us. The journey. (laughs) We'll take you on the journey. Welcome to The Materialists, episode one, our first podcast. The first one! Awesome. Um, We are excited to be here. We are going to be talking on the series about material culture and archaeology and contemporary material culture studies, um, all kinds of things involving stuff, right? Yeah, because we're like materialists, but we're not like materialistic, you know? Right. Yeah. Right, right. Although, gauging by the things that I have surrounded myself now, (laughs) I would argue that. However, let me give a quick kind of uh, definition of what material culture, uh, the analysis of what material culture is. Um, So we're basically looking at anything that's handmade or altered by human beings, um, and it it encompasses all different fields of study um, from archaeology to anthropology to art history, uh, folklore – All of that comes into play when you're thinking about objects and how they um, alter culture or how culture alters objects. Um, And it can be anything from projectile points to jewelry to books to the clothes on our backs to toothbrushes. All of that is considered material culture and everything in between. And all that is fair game on the materialists. Yeah, could be anything. Could be anything. Um, Introductions. I am Nigel Rudolph, Public Archaeology Coordinator um, with the Central Regional Center of the Florida Public Archaeology Network, um, and my co-host for every single episode. Yeah, not just this one. Not just but this for one. Every one. For all of them. All of them um, is. I'm Becky O'Sullivan. I am the Public Archaeology Coordinator at the West Central Center for the Florida Public Archaeology Network, which is in Tampa. Yeah. My office uh, is out of Crystal River at the Crystal River Preserve State Park. Beautiful Crystal River. Historic. Amazing. Full of material culture. Super cool. Archaeological study. Super cool stuff. Yeah. 
Um, and so we are archaeologists, and so we are bringing a very unique perspective to this concept of material culture studies and analysis. Um, and so we're going to look at it through that lens uh, much of the time. Um, and we're not going to try to get too heavy with theory. Um, we don't want to yeah, bore people. Yeah, I think and, I'll fall asleep myself. Like yeah. I don't really want to go into that too much. No. And frankly, it's <laughs> completely above my pay grade. Um, but we will kind of touch on that in the ongoing theme um, for the series itself, I think, is do objects have agency? Do objects have agency? But what do you mean by agency? Yeah. What do I mean by agency? So um, I have agency. I'm a human being. Or do I? Or- <laughs> that's deb- I feel like that's debate. Not just for you. Is right. it debatable? But like no, for it's definitely for any me. of us. <laughs> There's definitely moments when I'm in uh, just autopilot. So right. right. Yeah. Are we the products of our upbringing? Are we the products of our hormones? Do we actually have free thought? Um, that is a question for people much smarter than I am. Um, however, it is something to consider. Because like last night, like I got a piece of cake, you know, from the supermarket and I think it really made me like buy it and eat it. So it's totally <laughs> not my fault because that cake had like agency right. like over me. <laughs> totally, totally. And cake is delicious. Cake is delicious. Um <laughs> Um, but do objects have agency? Do inanimate objects have agency? Do they, um, can they alter their world around them or alter their interaction with the human beings that are using them or viewing them or in whatever capacity they're being utilized within the culture? How do they do that? I think they can. I think they can too. <laughs> I guess we answered the question, folks. So I guess that's, that's it. it. That's the last that's all. last podcast. We're done. <laughs> the end. <laughs> so um, that's where we're going to start. We're going to have a couple of different segments throughout the uh, the podcast. Um, uh, we will each bring for every episode. Uh, yeah, that- yeah. So yeah, we'll have like yeah a theme right for right. each episode. General theme. General theme or question mm-hmm. or like challenge maybe mm-hmm. a challenge. Yeah, and then. Just like Nigel was saying before I interrupted him, uh, we will each bring an object of material culture to um, illustrate Mm -hmm. our view on whatever that theme or challenge or whatever is. Yeah, precisely, precisely. And then I'm going to throw in a couple of fun um, other segments like... um, that's what is the in note. the That's news? That's real notes that he actually yeah, has. This is real notes. What is in the news? Material culture in the news. And that's ranging from um, all kinds of crazy uh, things like $1,000 ripped <laughs> jeans um, to uh, this story that I just saw today or the other day about Payless, the discount shoe um, store, uh, opening a um, a fake high end shoe store and tricking um, wealthy patrons into buying twelve dollars shoes for thousands of dollars. Yeah. And so, what does that say about our <laughs> culture and material culture? Yeah, how do we value things? Right. Okay, so um, I think we need to like like take it back. Just like a little bit, right? Because we're both archaeologists, but like what does like archaeology actually even mean? Um, so, Nigel, what is your definition of archaeology? What does an archaeologist do? Um, and so we study people that lived a long time ago. 
through the stuff that they left behind. And that's a really generic, non-nuanced definition of archaeology. But archaeology as a branch of anthropology is a continuation of the study of human beings, but human beings that we can't actually have a conversation with, cannot observe. And so the only way we can understand anything about their lives is by looking at the stuff that they left behind. And um, that's where material culture studies comes into the field of archaeology. What do you think? Um, Okay, so my definition of archaeology... So just like, you know, you said, archaeology is the study of people in the past. Um, But those people could have lived like thousands of years ago or they could even be alive right now. I mean, technically, like an archaeological site is anything like 50 years or older. So it could even be people today and the stuff that that we have. Yeah, for real. Um, So, yeah, archaeology is the study of people in the past, whether that is the deep past or the more recent past. And um, for archaeologists, our kind of our data or things that we're looking at to study people is stuff, material right. culture, the right. things that people left behind, whether that is like they knowingly left it behind or, you know, or not. So anything that people made or used or ate or did something with in the past. That's the material culture that we're interested in. And so much of those pieces of material culture can be broken down into literally microscopic aspects and looked at it much more closely than certainly the people that left those objects behind would have any clue about. And so when we say that we're looking at material objects, it's not on the static level of, you know, say a, 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 piece of pottery, but it's breaking that piece of pottery down into what the pottery is made out of and where that piece of pottery originated from and where the aspects of the temper originated from and breaking those those individual artifacts down to understand the environment in which these people were living and how that played a role in their existence. Yeah, definitely. And like, yeah, kind of like building on that, you know, we're looking at these like sometimes really, really everyday objects in this really detailed scientific way so that we can get all that low level information, but then, you know, break it down into these little data points so that we can then build all those data points up so that ultimately we can use them to tell a story about people. And I think that's what like archaeology is all about is using objects to tell the story about people who are not here anymore. Right. Because objects have a story to tell. Right. And I think that's the point of the podcast that what what we're here to talk about is, you know, using objects, um, lots of different sorts of objects um, to tell stories. So we're going to be telling stories in this podcast through uh, learning about these particular pieces of material culture and how they impacted the users and the people around them and culture more broadly. And so um, we're going to keep it lively and we're going to be bouncing back and forth between um, 
the world of prehistory and the world of history and the contemporary world and looking at material culture um, as a reflection of the human beings. It's all um, about people, man. It's all about people in, in, in all areas of the timeline. So, Okay, so we talked about, we gave a definition of material culture. Right. We talked about um, what archaeology is all about. Right. It's about people, not right. dinosaurs. No, we do not no, study dinosaurs. I don't know anything about dinosaurs. I do like, I think, the pterosaurs, not to jump off on Nigel's famous tangents, <laughs> but I think the ter- pterosaurs are a uh, far neglected They're dinosaur. underrated. They're underrated. Think, yeah. um, if I was a paleontologist, I would want yeah, to study them, yeah. but I'm not. I don't know anything right. about them. I don't know anything about them. Don't ask me questions about yeah, them. They're, they're like closely related to chickens. That's yeah. about as much as I know. Do you know that there's actually never been, there's never been a dinosaur found in Florida because Florida was underwater when dinosaurs right. were around. So we couldn't even find a dinosaur if we wanted to. Yeah. So pff, let's not even go there. Let's not even yeah. go there. Just people. Pterosaurs are about. cool. Just people. Right. People. <laughs> people are cool. People are also cool. So one thing that I've always thought about in reference to material culture and prehistoric archaeology specifically is how fair is it to try to understand, uh, in Florida anyway, almost 15,000 years of history of human beings being here by the mere objects that are left behind. And when you go back super, super far, you're not even looking at things like ceramics, um, which are just such a fantastic indicator about, you know, human culture. Um, so you're just looking at broken pieces of rocks, right? Stone tools, lithics. And so how fair is it that archaeology is looking at such a minute aspect of this culture, but defining um, prehistoric life by this very minute aspect of these people's lives? Yeah, it's it's not fair. (laughs) It's crazy. Um, But I mean, we have to, you know, Use what we have. But I mean, if you think about it, you know, yeah, like people have been living in Florida for more than 14,000 years, right? And like the earliest stuff that we find, what like the name, the culture time period or whatever that archaeologists define, like Paleo Indians, the right. first people, explorers who came to Florida, the you know, first uh, came here. Yeah, like the only stuff that we find from that time period is mostly like stone tools, right? Because it's like 14,000 years old, like a basket is not going to like survive right. <laughs> for 14,000 right. years. Right. right. Yeah. So we're totally using one kind of class of material culture or artifact, like as archaeologists would say to, to find this whole kind of culture. And like whenever, you know, we have to go talk to kids all the time about this sort of thing. Yeah. And like, I always like to say like, you know, that's like, think about if, an archaeologist in the future, like 10,000 years from now, was trying to define our culture and way of life by looking at just like your knives and forks in your kitchen. Right. Like what kind right, of like right. a view of like the nuances of your like life and culture are they going to get from that? Yeah. I mean, much. one of the things. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. And one of the things that I um, when I'm talking to the youths, I say, imagine somebody walks into your bedroom and you're not there. Can they learn everything there is to know about your life 
and your existence by looking at those objects that are in your bedroom. And a lot of times the kids will be like, yeah, yeah, totally. And I'll be like, no, not at all. Not at <laughs> it's like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> you're totally wrong. You are way more dynamic. There's way more going on between your ears than just these objects will tell us. And so that is the, um, that is the difficulty of archaeology is trying to understand human beings who are these vastly complicated species with on an individual level have vastly different outlooks on the world around them. And we're looking at the things that are in their bedroom to try to understand their lives. So, <laughs> um, but I think it's important to remember that those very small, minute artifacts um, can actually tell us a great deal about people and, and a lot of things that um, we're going to be talking about on this podcast, whether it's it, uh, from a contemporary perspective or a prehistoric perspective or a historic perspective, is going to be looking at how things that we consider minute details or insignificant artifacts can actually say a lot about the culture in which they're being used and utilized. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, like, just like you're saying, like, I mean, it's important to realize that, no, I mean, we can't define like a whole culture based on like the shape that they made their stone tools. I mean, what right. is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. But when you are looking at an artifact, like a stone tool that someone chipped that stone, like 14,000 years ago, you're seeing the result of like multiple um, you know, hundreds of individual choices that that maker, that person made to create that object. That's good. That's right? good, Becky. And really so good. in a way, that object is a product of a human mind and a maker um, and a person. And so, you know, that's the the really cool thing. That's the thing that I find like really amazing about archaeology is um, having those kind of moments, like especially, you know, some artifacts like you get that sense way more than others. Right. Um, and that's where those, those stories about people come in, like where you can really pull out those, those threads. Right. Right. And sans time travel, that's about all yeah. we got. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Unless you have like a TARDIS or something and right. you're going to like go back. That's like, so I'm just throwing my Doctor Who reference. Yeah, there, that but. was good. I totally didn't get it. <laughs> I laughed, but I didn't get it. So yeah. um, for any of you Doctor Who fans that are listening. I'm a millennial, so um, you know, I, do like and I used to watch the original Doctor Who with the guy with the afro yeah. um, uh, with my father, but I don't know anything. All right. So. One of the things that we are we're going to have this organized in a way where we are bringing um, to each episode, each one of us, uh, Becky and myself, are going to be bringing a particular object or discussing a particular object um, in how uh, it fits with the theme, like our theme for right. the episode. Right? right, right, right. And so let's actually jump into that section right now. OK, Nigel. So, yeah. Our challenge to each other for each episode will be having an object of material culture as our examples, right? Right, right. For each theme. Yeah. So what is your object for our inaugural materialists podcast? I know I'm not <laughs> supposed to say podcast, right? Because we know it's a podcast. Whatever. Right. What is your inaugural object? My inaugural object. Inaugural. It's <laughs> a hard word. My object um, that I am bringing to the table for this first podcast of the Materialists 
is a modern object. We should play like 20 questions yeah. for this part. <laughs> is it animal, vegetable, yeah, or a mineral? Um, is just a regular, ordinary, stainless steel mixing bowl. So a bowl, a metal yeah. bowl. Yeah. Why a metal bowl, you ask? <laughs> Why a metal bowl? Well, this isn't just any bowl. This bowl has the power to elicit a very significant emotional response in a particular user of this object. How does it? So do this that? bowl was a um, was originally owned by my wife's grandmother. Meemaw, we'll call her Meemaw. Um, this bowl was originally owned by Meemaw, um, and re- Meemaw has recently passed. And so now we are now the owners of this bowl. And so as it's sitting in the cabinet, it is a static object, but when it's used, a lot of emotion comes from it, and that emotion has uh, been imbued in this object through its experiences being owned by Mima. And so Mima would use it regularly for cooking pies and for cooking cornbread and other th- ways that entertain family. So there's a very strong familial context to the use of to this bowl. And so now one could argue that this bowl has agency, right? Now one could argue that this bowl has the ability to get a very specific response from its current owner, which is uh, us, right? My wife and I. In the future, as archaeologists would find this bowl, I think they would be perplexed as to see anything significant or anything important. So it would be very difficult for them to discern this agency that the bowl has. And so... Did that make any sense? No, and like I think that example is the perfect example for this podcast because that's that's what it's all about, right? That's what we as archaeologists we want to do. We want to get right. to those questions and those like ways of knowing. And we have to start like, okay, what is the object, right? Like it's a metal bowl. It was made in the twentieth century. Right. In whatever place, and then it was, you know, shipped to here, mm-hmm. and someone purchased it at a store like they had at that time, and mm-hmm. <laughs> right, that sort of thing. And that's like the low level, like, information about that object. And then you get to, like, okay, well, like, what was it used for, right? Like, right, mixing or serving or like that sort of a thing. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really, what's really interesting is how this inanimate object is now. Um, communicating in ways way beyond what it was designed to do. Right, um, yeah. So it was designed to fill, uh, to be filled with biscuit dough or, you know. But now it has power, right? Now this bowl, because of um, its life and the things that uh, it's been used for and the person that used it, um, now this bowl has been imbued with this power um, to elicit a lot of um, a very significant emotional response from the person that owns it. Yeah, it has power and agency specifically to you and to your wife, right? Because like, you know that that history, that like pedigree, that where that bowl came from. But if I like broke into your house and like stole that bowl, like, I don't know why I would break into your house and like steal like (laughs) a metal bowl, but like, and had no idea of like any of that and like took it home with me, it would not have that like same power or like agency, right? right? It would just be like a bowl. Yeah, exactly. Or if you saw it like sitting on the shelf in 
like goodwill or yeah. whatever, yeah. right? Like it's just a bowl. So right. like that agency is also like related to your your specific personal relationship, right? Like right. with that piece of material culture. Exactly. And so it's things like that that we're going to be discussing on the podcast. And actually, I think I would really like to do a segment where we do go into a thrift store. Yes. And, and That's we, my favorite thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> and buy an object or observe an object and look at this object from an anthropological lens yes. um, and try to understand its context and now it's in a thrift store so what does that say it was abandoned i have to say yeah i have to say one of my favorite things to do is go like yard sailing especially like estate sales like if you get to go into the house and like walk around and see where all the stuff is and just think like okay who was the person that like had all this like crazy stuff like who was the actual person that like had it collected it over their lives like what, you know, seeing all the different sorts of things that they had. But then also whenever I see like, you know, a bunch of old stuff like piled up, like you see like at a yard sale or like Goodwill or whatever. The other thing that really like trips me out, like, and to think about is this whole like huge room full of stuff, all these shelves of things, like all of these things were designed by a person, like, you know, their job in life was to like design this random object, this like plastic elephant or like whatever it is, right? Make it. It was like shipped here probably from like the other side of the world. And, you know, it was used by people. And now it's like sitting in this pile, like in this resale shop, Yeah, you know, like all this stuff, like even the room that we're sitting in right now, like all the various like things that are like on the shelves around us, right? Is all designed and made by a person. Yeah, um, that's really interesting. And I think personally, I have a really interesting perspective on the world of material culture because I'm a maker of objects. Um, I'm a ceramic artist. And um, so I produce objects. I make things that go out into the world. So these objects that I'm making on the potter's wheel are being imbued with Nigel, right? They're part <laughs> of that sounded kind of gross, but they're being um, in like a really like artistic right, professional way. Right. Yes. <laughs> but they're being uh, like part of me is in this piece. And I think that's largely why some of them sell. But yeah, I mean, it's like really interesting um, because you are kind of coming at it from like these two different ways, like as a maker and then like as an archaeologist, you know, looking at these objects and these kind of like from these two different perspectives. But like, I mean, how do you feel like when you make something and you like send it out into the world? Do you ever like wonder like what happened to these objects or what are the lives that they're like leading I do. now? I do. Um, and, uh, I, I think if I think about it too much, um, I won't make work. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Do you ever have ones and you like, you know, you make something and maybe, or, um, like a style of thing or a cup or whatever. And, um, you sell all of them and then you're like, Oh God, well now I don't have any of them yeah. left. Right. And you yeah. kind of like, yeah. miss it or yeah it's true um i mean my work is designed to be used and so i've sold and you're using one of my cups i am it's they're very nice <laughs> um, and so um when people tell me oh this is too nice to use it's going to sit on a shelf then you are now removing it from the agency that i was putting into it right yeah. you are now deleting that um aspect of the pot that was the 
main motivation for me making so it. So is that like the worst possible thing that someone could say to you as an artist is like, oh, it's too nice and I just put it on a shelf and never use it? Well, it's like a double-edged <laughs> sword, right? Like it's very complimentary. I'm so glad that you think the piece is nice, but it's a, a, it's a cup, man. Like, you know, Use the cup. Use the cup. I use all the cups that I've bought from you. So. Oh, well, thank you. I think there's some like dried up coffee and like a mug of yours that's like yeah. in my car right well, now. Well, I think so. there's about three... <laughs> ceramic cups on the table here with dried they up coffee get in it. Used. But um, tell us about your object that you've brought to the table, Becky O'Sullivan. Oh, okay. I have it here in a little box. I'm going to hand it to you. Okay. What is that, Nigel? Wow. We are looking at a piece of a projectile point. Um, it's beautiful. It's broken. It's a broken projectile point that looks like it's made out of quartz. Perhaps. I think it's coral. It's coral. It's agatized coral. It's really beautiful. It's a beautiful pinky color. It's got a serrated edge. It's broken in one, two, three, four pieces that are present here in this box. Um, it is a very finely made. It's beautiful. beautiful. It was even more beautiful when it wasn't broken, I have to say. Prehistoric projectile point. Yeah. Tell me about it. Um, okay. So... Yeah, this is a a little projectile point, prob- maybe an arrowhead because it is like kind of small. Mm-hmm. Um, it is made of uh, agatized coral, which is like a fossilized kind Florida of Florida State Stone. It's yeah, that's a fun fact for the day. I mean, if you're ever on Jeopardy and they ask you what the state zone of Florida is, it's agatized coral. Um, and it's yeah, it's. A beautiful object, and it's broken. So <laughs> this um, arrowhead is part of our teaching collection that we used to like take out to schools and that sort of a thing. Um, it's probably like a thousand years old at least. So um, yeah, this is like a real tool that someone made like a thousand plus years ago. So somebody went and collected that coral carefully chipped it made it into this really like thin gorgeous arrowhead it has a serrated edge they used it at some point lost it or threw it away an archaeologist or someone found it it somehow ended up in the collections of the University of South Florida. So I have it in my teaching collection. A life cycle. Yeah. And so um, for several years, I used it as a, um, a teaching example, right? I would bring it into schools for little kids to see. And we would do like an activity where I show them different stone points from different time periods. And they have to kind of figure out like why they change through time and all that fun stuff. And then one day, a little kid dropped it on the concrete floor. Hence, it's brokenness. Mm. Just like the brokenness in all of us. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's deep, man. (laughs) So to me, the reason that I chose this object is because um, going back to that theme of like stories, right? That um, objects, they're not just a static thing in time they have like a life history and they have a story that changes over time so the way that i you know 
see and use and like perceive this object, this point is in no way the same as the native person who created this object. And ultimately, like, I'm absolutely never going to know how that person used it or thought about it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was like a point that their grandma or grandpa made and passed down to them. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, you know, the they chose the stone specifically because it was like pink or something. Or who knows? Maybe it was like their lucky mm -hmm. point for hunting. Um, but, you know, I can't really know that. But then... I mean, the journey of this object is so insane that it's going from, you know, thousands of years ago being used as like a hunting tool to being lost, to being found again, and then being used like in elementary schools to like teach kids about those people that were living like thousands of years right, ago. Right. And now like effectively, like, you know, it's use life is kind of over because one of those kids dropped it on the floor and like changed it. It's careless. He was careless. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's really interesting. And, um, you know, to even add more to that lifespan is the origin of the rock that it came. From. I know. Yeah. 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 So and so, that, yeah, going back even more, right? Like the reason that we even have like that sort of like fossilized coral in Florida is because of the geological like history of Florida that we were just like a chain of coral yeah. reefs. Right. And like everything was underwater. Bajillions of years ago. Yeah. Right. And so did the person that formed the projectile point, did they find the rock that they then napped into the arrowhead or did they trade for it from another location? Um, how many hands did that chunk of agatized coral go through before it got to the maker of it? And so that, I think that's a, a super fascinating um, story to try to unpack. And it's perfectly relevant when you think about even from to my example of the steel bowl, like how many uh, how many hands touched this steel bowl from its origins uh, in the as iron ore in the side of a mountain yeah. um, at some place in the world um, all the way to now in the cabinet underneath our kitchen counter. But I think, you know, also going back to your steel bowl, like we know, like the story of that bowl yeah. because it's yours, right? Yeah. Like we know like the emotions and the agency and like all that good stuff that's behind that object because you are the person that uses right. that object on a daily basis, right. right? But I think that should inspire us to think about these past objects that we find that like it's not just an arrowhead. It's not just a piece of pottery, yeah. right? Um, a, another human being used this object in the past and they had emotions and memories and thoughts that were mm -hmm. like tied to these objects. And we will never know what those are, but um, we should always keep in mind that they're there. Mm -hmm. And this is not, it's not just an arrowhead. It's something that mm -hmm. links us to that past person. Absolutely. Yeah. Then no, that's a really, that's a, that's a really good 
way to look at it. With ceramics, it's kind of easy, right? With, with, with prehistoric pottery, there's a lot that goes into it, but, um, it has, it, you know, it's much more recently, uh, much more recent of an invention. Um, there's a tactility to this object because it was actually shaped and formed by a human being. Um, there's a lot of information that goes into the production of it, into the decoration of it, all this stuff that are like big, signs for archaeologists to be able to read much more easily than say with lithics and so that would be great to talk to somebody more in depthly about that yeah i mean there's so many different avenues and like material culture i mean like nigel said you know kind of at the beginning it's not just like things like pottery or lithics or even you know the kind of stuff like you have in your house you know human beings we also change the landscapes that we live on um you know that's a a product of our you know human choices and you could argue that that's also an example of material culture even our bodies i mean the choices that we make the movements that we make every day shape our bones and you can see that like actually literally like you know written in our skeleton so even our bodies are um have this you know, they are also material culture that yeah. can tell us about human actions. Right, right. So much. There's so much. It's There's so much. So much. And it's we're insane. over the series. We're going to be talking about so much of this stuff. But I think we sh- we're at a pretty good spot to wrap this up this first episode. What do you yeah, think, um, Becky? I think that's, yeah, that's good. Do you think that this has been a successful first episode recording of The Materialists? I mean, I hope so. I think I had a pretty strong... Um, Example, so I feel yeah. pretty good about it. Solid. It was a solid example. Yeah. Um, it was a rock solid example. Uh, yeah. wow. um, all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to the materialists. You know, lots of information are going to be in the show notes. Um, we're going to oh, have. Can we also? We'll also put pictures of our objects. Yes, pictures yeah? of our objects so will be in the show notes. Like. Um, we both work for the Florida Public Archaeology Network. So big props to them. Big props to FPAN. We uh, will be coming back at you on a monthly basis. Um, that's the plan. That is the plan. Um, so thanks for tuning in, and um, we'll catch you on the flippy flip. Yeah. Bye.
And we are living in a material world. And I am a material girl. You know it. We are living in a material world. And I am a material girl. Material. 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 Material.